Gentlemen, let's jump on that bandwagon. We would usually do Game of the Year uh, around this time, every mm. single year. But we can also uh, slot in a Game of the Decade as well today, because that is the thing to do right now. It's um, no big deal, you know? Just 10 years of beta games. That's, that's fine. We yeah, can recap it. I am genuinely much more interested in our Game of the Decade conversation and our Game of the Year conversation. Mostly because I have not played a ton of very good video games this year. Um, Interesting. Okay. So I am actually most keen in hearing your two picks before mine. So, Federico, why don't you... Uh, I, I expect we're going to pick the same game of the year anyway, but why don't you... Okay. Why don't okay. you tell me your contenders sure. for game of the year in 2019? Sure. So the year in video games for me started really strong. I was catching up on a bunch of games on my PS4. And uh, like I, I thought that I was going to finish God of War finally. Um, but then basically what happened for me was uh, I essentially didn't play any games in the period between May and basically October. Uh, save for a few of those like smaller mobile games or like indie Switch titles. Mm -hmm. uh, in May, because I worked on my big iPad story for the site uh, called Beyond the Tablet, and that sort of uh, took control of my life. Then I left for California for WWDC, which is the Apple Developer Conference. I started working on my review of iOS and iPadOS 13 in the summer, and basically all my video game promises that I made to myself in January, they just fell apart. Everything mm -hmm. fell apart. Um, so <laughs> I came back to games with a passion, you might say, in the fall. Now... Well, that's the time, though, if you're going to do it. That's the time, I guess. Yes. So in the fall, I started playing Control on my Xbox One, mm -hmm. which really left a positive impression on me. I played about 10 hours of control, so I'm not finished with the story. I'm well into the game and sort of the abilities that you can unlock, but I'm far from done. And that happened because I started playing The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on my Switch. Obviously, this is a you know very popular remake of the Game Boy title. Uh, looks great. We talked about it. I finished the story. I finished the game. I felt really good about it. Uh, you know, 30-something hours. It's what took me to finish the game, so I felt really good about that. Now, my game of the year, I was not expecting to be the game of the year. I thought it was going to be Link's Awakening. But much to my surprise, Pokemon Sword is my game of the year. Hashtag controversy is happening right now. <laughs> yes. So Controversial. I... I I knew that I was going to be playing the Pokemon game. I was not expecting this Pokemon game to reignite a lot of feelings and just passion for the meta game of Pokemon that I used to have 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I finished the main storyline, uh, but that's not really the point. Uh, I'm, at this point, and I really haven't played much in the past week uh, because I've been, I've been busy with work stuff, uh, but I plan to get back to the game as soon as possible. At this point, I'm I'm uh, 100 hours into Pokemon Sword, and basically it took me 40 to finish the story, maybe 50 to finish the story, but the second half has been entirely about the meta game. So building a competitive team, uh, you know, getting back to 
basically starting from the basics of Pokemon breeding, so trying to get the best creature out of, uh, you know, you can you can breed Pokemon in this game. Um, statistics, so doing all the EV training, all this meta game that is sort of hidden within Pokemon. It's right there, and there's an entire community of people uh, building competitive teams, trying to build the perfect Pokemon team, multiple Pokemon teams, in fact, for different strategies and whatnot. So trying to get back into that whole scene and... I mean, I've built shortcuts for Pokemon and I, you know, it's sort of blurring the lines between what I do for work and what I do for pleasure. It's sort of, I wouldn't say that it's, that it's become an unhealthy obsession. Uh, I'm not at that level. Uh, like I played a lot, especially in the first month. And then I slowed down this past week because I, again, I was busy, but it's the whole thing of like, I feel like I'm back in 2004, 2003, maybe uh, playing Pokemon Ruby on my Game Boy Advance and, and you know, looking up online on, on forums and stuff. Like, what does it mean to do Pokemon reading? What does it mean to do EV training? And of course, a lot of things have changed in the past 17 years. But for me, this is a comeback to the franchise. And it's my game of the year because not only is it fun, but it, it this game has sort of attached itself to that part of my brain that loves numbers and strategies in video games and grinding lots of grinding and i'm not a competitive person when it comes to video games i never play online i don't do shooters i don't do sports games but this game i'm playing online um some of them i'm winning most of them are losing but that's part of the point right i'm i'm getting back to this whole thing and so if uh, this has to be my game of the year because of all these feelings that I, that this game has brought back for me and all this passion and yeah I'm having the best time and and I don't know maybe someday if I keep it up I'll try my hand at going to an actual tournament in in real life but for now I'm just having fun um uh, getting up to speed again on the whole uh Pokemon training thing that was not a surprise for me, having <laughs> convert. Well, I mean, I think anybody that listened to our last episode where we reviewed Pokemon Sword and Shield probably should have expected this. Uh, Shahid, I'm expecting you might have a slightly different list. Um, what What have you got going on? <laughs> what makes you think that? Um, <laughs> Wouldn't you know. know I, I've played a lot of Switch this year. I say play, but actually the family usually beats me to it. So we played a lot of the same old, same old, of course, mm-hmm. um, the the classics. So we replayed those, and they've occupied a lot of gaming time. But I, I prefer to try new stuff, and I tend to get a an idea of what I like very quickly. You know, this is what happens when you turn into an A and R man, uh, which is effectively what I've been for a very, very long time. You know, yeah. my. My job is, or has been in the past, certainly not recently, but, well, maybe to some extent with some of the mentoring stuff I do, is to look at games in a very critical way. And so within five minutes, I know what's what. Um, because I'll have absor- absorbed a lot of the other stuff around the game as well from other sources. And so I'll just want to have a feel and, and so on. But that hasn't happened as much as I'd like this year, simply because a family like to replay the stuff that they really like. That said, I have managed to. Carve I am out just going to say, I'm going to go on record as saying this. Last year was a better year for gaming than this year, in my opinion. Mm. 
Um, especially if you are a Nintendo Switch family, like mm. there were there were more great games in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Unless, I mean, well, because the big game this year, and and it passed me by. I think it passed us all by because we're not huge fans of the franchise. Really, is Super Smash Brothers? Mm. Mm. Well, right. Th- that was the game in twenty nineteen, though, right? But also Fire Emblem. I thought I think a lot of people were super into Fire mm-hmm. Emblem this sure. summer, but yeah. again, it was in the summer. And uh, yeah, yep. and those. I mean, I just think that we're not as like wild for those series as we are for some yeah. of the others that maybe yeah. have come out in the last couple of years. The other thing is there has there has been an awful lot of um, remaking going on. Yep, mm. and I really wanted to play Link's Awakening, but I thought you know what I have played it, and I loved the experience on the Game Boy. And what am I going to get this time around? Oh, it's such a beautiful game. It's yeah. one of the prettiest video games I've yeah. ever played. So I'll probably get around to looking at that just to kind of see if it holds up to what I remember and if they've done a good enough job of, um, I guess, addressing the whole rose-tinted spectacles angle. And if it's as beautiful as you say, then then I'm sure it will. But yeah, I'll, I'll have a look at it at some point. The other thing is uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, which as a family we were really looking forward to because we loved the original so much. I didn't play the second one, um, but one of my kids has watched endless YouTube videos on it. So we were really hot for this. And I got to play it by proxy, in other words, just by watching it being played hour after hour by my son. And... Um, he got a bit frustrated because he was pretty sure he'd done everything he possibly could. And he's a bit of a completionist, you know. I remember a kid like that 30 years ago. <laughs> but, you know, he, he couldn't get as far as he'd liked. And I thought, well, that's, that's, they, they've missed a trick because, you know, he's finished Odyssey. And he's had like, he's he's got his 999 moons and he's still playing it. But yeah, so Luigi's Mansion 3, I thought that might creep in. But funnily enough, it didn't. Um, and then there was, I, I really liked Baba's You, but... I mean, it was a bit too um, brain twisty for me. It's it got kind of to thing a that... point where I was like, "No, this is this has gone above my brain power." Yeah, right? same like, happened to me. Yeah, you recommended it, and you were right. It's really, really clever, and I really wanted to like it more, but it got really hard really quick for me. And you know, I'm I'm an impatient old man, and I just mm-hmm. want my fun now. So. My number one, I won't say what my number one is because I think you'll be surprised, but my number two is, uh, can I say what my number three is? <laughs> yeah, yes. it, it tends to help to start with number three. Like, well, no, I, I, no one was making was... you pick number one. <laughs> you, you brought that on yourself. <laughs> no, because you said you wanted to hear our top two, you know. And... No, I can give me as many as you want. Okay, well, there are loads, but my uh, it took a while to whittle this down because when I when I thought about it, there were a lot of games that I wanted to play this mm. year that I didn't get around to playing. So, so I how had... about we start from number five? Shall we? Let's there's a, <laughs> let's start with number three. I'll only give you three for the games of the year because you, there are loads I wanted to play and didn't really play enough of. So number three is Pistol Whip on the Oculus Quest because. That really is an intense experience. And you are sweating within minutes of Mm. starting that. And it is an awful lot of fun. And it's very clever. You've got this beautiful environment that's really simple, very muted and toned down, but very alive and dynamic, moving in time to the music. And then you've got shooting in time to the beat. Oh, I think I need to play this. Oh, it's amazing. I haven't checked out a lot of the uh, VR games this year. 
Um, but this one looks really, really fun. Yeah, uh, Quest has been a big hit in our house, and thankfully... We haven't spoken about it, so like, in case you're not aware, the Oculus Quest is the Oculus, which has slightly lower specs in kind of quality, but what it allows is completely wireless play, right? Wait, what? This thing yeah. exists? You didn't know since, about this? Since when? It's been out for like six months. And it is the hottest Christmas item. It's completely sold out. Everyone what? wants it and they just can't get hold of it. It's it's brilliant. It is my it's favorite. Wireless? Completely yeah, yeah. wireless. Yeah. Totally. Six degrees of freedom. I mean, okay, oh, it's, yeah. not rift, it's not rift I'm quality. I'm buying this now. <laughs> you must. <laughs> you must. I've got two, by the way. It is, it is close enough, though, right, to like the original rift, which obviously is, you know, but like what what you lose in quality, you gain in more immersion because you don't have to remember that there's a cable, oh, and you don't totally. have to do any room setup, right? Well, it, there there is the um, uh, the guardian setup feature, okay. but the cool thing is once you've done that for any area in your house, it will remember it. Mm-hmm. So as long as the lighting conditions don't change massively, it will remember an area. And if you're standing in that area, it will recall the Guardian. You're just good to go. You just confirm yeah. the Guardian, off you go. But yeah, it's absolute game changer. And you're absolutely right. The trade-off is worth it. We talked about it. We talked about the quest a while ago. Yeah, we spoke about it, but Federico missed that it, was, that it had come out, it would appear. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> does it look, yeah, so does it look better than um, PS4 VR yes. in terms of graphics? I think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Here, here's the thing. I, th- I, th- I think it is significantly better than the Oculus Go. Significantly better. It's not quite as good as Rift, but you don't care. No. And anyway, you know, some of the stuff that you get on it looks amazing. Yeah, and so, the, the, uh, the main difference... Vader Immortal, for example. Yeah, I want to play I mean, that. When, you, when you're close up to Darth Vader in that, Oh man! Terrifying, right? It's terrifying. Yeah, but... he's really big as well. You know, <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not particularly tall, but man, is Darth Vader tall? I, uh... And he's scary. It looks amazing on on the quest. Yeah, this the, I've, I've been man. I've I've been skipping out on the the VR games for a bit. So like, the biggest thing, though, Federico, that you will benefit with this over the PSVR, it's not graphics; it's tracking. Like PSVR's right. main problem was its tracking. You know. Like yes. It being able to so recognize annoying. you and the way that things would break and feel very uncomfortable. Well, you don't have those problems with this hardware because it's, it's better built. Yeah, it's inside-out tracking, right? Yeah. So you don't have any external cameras to set up. That means you can turn around 360 degrees, doesn't matter. It's got mm-hmm. those fabulous Oculus Touch controllers that feel fantastic. They're my, my favorite VR controllers by far. It's the same controller that I have of my Rift, uh-huh. so, which are just, they are, I agree, absolutely sublime. Like they are. And look at all these games. I'm checking out yeah. the store now. Mm-hmm. And oh, the man. store is curated, so they, so Oculus will not let any developer release anything on this store. They're being very careful about only letting stuff that provides a really comfortable VR experience and is of good enough quality. Yeah, because I guess one difference here would be, right, that you can't use Steam VR games, which I Correct. get, right? So, like, yep. yes, the Oculus store is, is, like, curated, but there are more games that are also good, but they're just on Steam, um, mm. um, if you play it on a PC, you can get access to those as well. But by and large, the majority of the games that you will want are here. Yeah, and the thing is, Steam VR actually runs on a PC, 
This is running on what is effectively a, a slightly stripped down, but in some ways souped up Android phone. Mm -hmm. So there is no Steam VR running on that. It's a it's a PC platform, but it doesn't matter, you know. I mean that the experiences on there are are superb, and as you say, Mike, the freedom that you get, the tracking is superb. It just adds up to a really compelling experience. Proper VR for the first time, I would say. So Pistol Whip comes in at number three. And number two for me, believe it or not, is another VR game, and it's Beat Saber. And I know Beat Saber didn't come out this year, but it did come out this year for the Quest. And my God, is it good. Yeah, and plus they had a big update. Like, yeah. It's effectively at this point Beat Saber 2. It is also worth noting at this point, in case people weren't aware, uh, Facebook bought the company that makes Beat Saber. That's right. Just genius. Mm -hmm. Like, hats off to Facebook. It's a very smart move. You bought the best game that's ever been made for VR. And you run the VR platform, like very clever. Beat Saber is the killer app for virtual reality, in my opinion. You put, you give somebody ten minutes of that game, and they will want their own VR headset. Definitely, definitely. And you know what? Beat Saber is the best workout you will ever get. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's superb. I mean, I put that on for twenty-five, thirty minutes in the morning before everyone has woken up, and that's it. That's my exercise done for the day. And of course, having that headset on makes you sweat even more anyway. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the amount of movement. But yeah, it is incredibly compelling. The thing is, you're not even moving around. You know, you're standing on a platform. Stuff is coming towards you. So the two experiences I've talked about, Pistol Whip, you are moving forward, but it feels totally comfortable. Beat Saber, Beat Saber you're standing still, but it feels totally comfortable. So the key is really comfortable experiences that are incredibly immersive and engaging that really have you doing something exciting moment to moment are the things that really nailed vr for me this year pistol whip you're always doing something yeah and i think one of the key things about a good vr game is create it for vr right like i never really took well to the games that would make me do a weird movement thing you know Mm. like when you're like pushing on the stick to move forward and it just it didn't work right like i didn't that those this didn't work for me yeah and there, there are a few people who've been doing interesting things for locomotion like for example have you seen the um uh, arm locomotion technique which mm -hmm. is you swing your arms backwards and forwards and you walk forwards that works really well interesting i haven't tried that so when people are doing stuff, as you say, specifically for VR, that works. But when people are being lazy, you're right. It's kind of it just you just feel a little bit detached yeah. in in a medium where you really want to feel as attached and immersed as possible. Mm -hmm. My number one, believe it or not, is Control. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's huh. my kind of game. It's my yeah, kind of game. It's so it good. has it, it touches everything that I like about video games. It has it has elements of Deus Ex. It has elements of system shock. I mean, we're talking mm. about flavors, yeah? Subtle flavors. If you've played video games for decades, like I have, then you feel these things coming through. It has a beautifully written script. Mm -hmm. I say the only thing I don't like about the script is sometimes um, when when the lead character says things to herself, it's not, it's not as funny as I think they, they think it is. And when you've heard it one too many times, it kind of gets a little bit stale. But apart mm -hmm. from that, the writing, the descriptions... Um, the characterization, first class. The the graphics, absolutely superb. The texturing, the materials, the lighting, what an atmosphere. And then just the general 
underlying creepiness of the game you know the mm. the feel it, it, it's not horror creepy it just plays with your psychology really well i think the progression is really good the feeling of uh, the the side powers you know the the telekinesis and and all of that feels wonderful the the world that they've created is weird kind of x-filesy but believable kind of imagine mm-hmm. imagine like a secret service meets x-files that kind of vibe it's got which for me is is my kind of video game so it's a i i know it seems like a really conservative choice but the thing that's really appealed to me this year is high quality this thing has got exceptionally high quality user interface that i i would say some of the best ui i've seen in a very long time I love the font. I, I know I make a big deal about yes, fonts, no, but that, they're really important. That's such a you good know? point, though. I'm glad you mentioned it. Like when you enter a new area and there's like yeah. the big font. Oh, that's so Enormous, good. Yes. right? It's beautiful. I love, I love it. it. The first time yes. it happened, yes. Yes. I went, ah, yes. You know, because, yeah, put it in your face. If it's a damn good font, if it has style, if it carries the meaning for the game, do that, you know? And I I just loved all of those touches. I, I, I loved the whole interface. I loved the audio. The audio is mm-hmm. really, really good. It's really hard to get incidental and ambient audio right and sound effects right. The other thing is a lot of video games, they will use standard sound effects for lots of stuff. And I didn't hear those in this game. I thought, ah, this has got atmosphere. And, you know, like, for example, I, I keep banging on about the Call of Duty Modern Warfare wind sound. That has been used in every video game and every movie since then. And it must have come from some library or something, I guess. But it's exactly the same wind sound everywhere. And it just drives me nuts. It's like suddenly I'm back to Call of Duty Modern Warfare. You don't want to do that to me. Give me a unique atmosphere. And the thing controlled absolutely nails is the ambient soundtrack. It's beautiful. It's really eerie. Kind of, you know, gets you, but without reminding you of another video game too much. And I think that's a very, very hard thing to achieve. I loved um, the the... The faces of the characters, I thought they were done really, really well. It's funny because sometimes when you get to that whole um, edge of reality thing, you know, the, um, oh, what's it called? Uncanny Valley. Yes. Yeah. The characters get really weird, mm-hmm. but it was like they deliberately played with Uncanny Valley to stylize the characters in such a way that they had that kind of like, um, you're you're in an old FBI style or Secret Service style department, and that's what the characters would look like if they were in a TV series or movie of that style. You know, certain mm-hmm. type of makeup, the way they sweat behind the glasses, that kind of thing. It was all really well done. So I haven't finished it either, but I will. And what I've played so far, which is way more than I give most games, um, I have been totally and utterly impressed with. It's a believable coherent very compelling and cogent world and i want more of it and whatever remedy do next i'm in yeah it's a very good game i've heard only good things but i haven't touched it yet um my list is incredibly small uh i wanted to touch on star wars jedi fallen order um which is Hmm. it's a uh, it's a first-person game, like it's it not not first-person. Sorry, it is it is a third-person game. But what I meant to say is, it's not a multiplayer game. It is a campaign story game set in a Star Wars universe. It's kind of bridging between the original trilogy and the newer movies. 
Um, the story is 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 interesting. Uh, it's opening up for me a lot now. The gameplay is a mix between Uncharted, which I enjoy a lot, and uh, you know, like the, the really difficult games like Bloodborne and uh, what is the other one? Dragon Age is that the one I'm thinking of? No, Dark Souls. Uh, Dark, Dark Souls. Souls. Yes, uh, it's difficult. <laughs> you do not heal. You have to have like healing potions effectively uh, or you need to find save spots where you can also heal but if you heal all of the enemies that you have killed come back to life like that is purposeful it's not like a game memory thing this is like a thing that they do so you have to choose when you want to heal the game has no auto save you have to go to save spots and save uh, I tried to play this game on a me- on like a regular difficulty setting and could not do it, so I had to put it on easy, uh, which I'm fine with. I don't care, but like it is a tricky game. But I enjoy uh, I enjoy a game that can uh, use the Star Wars mechanics, right? Like the Force and lightsaber as well. And this game does that. Um, I have not put a ton of time into this game, but I have put in enough to say it's one that I really enjoy. But of course, my game of the year is Pokemon Sword and Shield because it's the it was really was a foregone conclusion for me because it was the game that I wanted anyway. You know, like this was the game I wanted. They gave me the game that I wanted. Uh, so there was no way it wasn't going to be my game of the year. So if we were going on pure <laughs> statistics, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield is the remaster game of the year. Yeah, followed by Control, I yep. guess, because I also mentioned it. So, yeah, uh, yep. Pokemon Sword is uh, official game of the year. We'll give uh, Beat Saber our VR game of the year, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, what have I got in my VR game of the year? One entry, Beat Saber. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that seems like a pretty foregone conclusion because Pistol Whip is great. Yeah, but it's it's way too hard. Beat Saber is much more accessible. Okay. You can play it for a lot, lot longer. Pistol Whip in small doses is wonderful. You must play it. But yeah, you're spot on about Beat Saber, how it sells the quest. All right, let's take a break. And then we're actually we're going to do two things. We're going to talk about our favorite devices of the decade and then our game of the decade. So this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace to let you easily create a website for your next idea or project, giving you the ability to register a unique domain name, customize award-winning templates, and so much more. No matter it is, no matter what it is you want to make, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that will let you do it. Whether you want to make a blog, portfolio, or online store, they have the tools that you need with nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They have it covered and back it all up with award-winning 24-7 customer support. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com slash remaster. Then uh, also you'll get 10% off your first purchase when you use that code remaster at checkout. Squarespace.com slash remaster and the code remaster for 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and you'll be showing your support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of Remaster and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So Shahid, you had mentioned that you were interested in talking about your favorite devices of the decade. Do you want to give us a little rundown as to what these look like? Yeah, this is really, really hard. And I have no criteria other than emotional impact. Do you think that's a reasonable criteria to use? It's hugely subjective, but that's the one I've gone for. Yeah, I think that, see, um, I would expect, considering 
what, where I expect this conversation will go. I think that both our own personal emotional impact and then industry impact will align quite similarly. But we'll see. If I'd gone for industry impact, uh, I would have put these device, uh, devices of the decade in reverse order. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay. But emotional impact, I'd put them in this order. So number three, PS4. And the reason I say PS4 is not because the device itself was revolutionary, but because of what it meant to Sony and PlayStation. We've talked about this so many times that I'll abbreviate it massively. Sony were close to being over. If PlayStation 4 had failed, it could have been absolutely disastrous, not just to PlayStation, but to Sony. The turnaround that we saw with PS4 was probably the greatest turnaround in any video game company's history, with perhaps one notable exception, which we'll be coming to very soon. But it was spectacular. I mean, they sold an insane number of units. An insane number of units. They're now king of the hill as far as consoles go again. And the launch itself was such a moment. I mean, I was there, right, when it happened. And I can tell you there was a sense of catharsis and elation that you cannot possibly imagine that we did not expect the ps4 to be as successful and not just in terms of sales impact but in terms of reception especially from the announcement onwards as it as it was so i would say in in terms of the emotional impact to me but also to playstation and sony one of the most important players in the video games market I put PS4 third, which, you know, surprised me because I thought I might put that higher. In terms of industry impact, I'd probably put PS4 one. At number two, I've got Nintendo Switch. So in terms of emotional impact, even bigger than PS4. How can that be? I wasn't involved. Well, here's the thing. Here's a device that also turned around Nintendo's fortunes. Perhaps not as much of a 180 degree as we saw with PlayStation 4. But it certainly was a lull, and they needed a big hit. And they nailed it, and we covered it in Remaster. And we, we're still covering it. And you know what? It's a device we all still play. How long's it been out? I don't know. A long time. But you know what? When I ask for codes... I'll ask for the codes on the Switch first. If I'm buying a cartridge, I'll buy a Nintendo Switch. Okay, you can't buy a cartridge or anything else. <laughs> but the point being, I'll buy Switch games, you know? I pref the device that me and my family prefer to play on is a Nintendo Switch. It's flexible. It's powerful enough. It's revolutionary in terms of the ways in which you can use it. The amount of content that they've been able to bring to bear has been incredible. It's way wider than we've ever seen for Nintendo in the past. Nintendo had a narrow focus, an extremely family focus before, but now they have it all covered. And so many first-party games have been of such high quality, and it continues to be a really fantastic machine. So in terms of emotional impact, certainly to me and my family, and the fact that we continue to use it to this day, Nintendo Switch, I put number two. Now, Biggest emotional impact. You're going to be surprised at this. At number one, I have the Oculus Rift. Mm. Why? Because VR was done, right? There was no VR. From the 90s on, 
It was considered a curio, something that would never really take hold. And here came this upstart company with a device that established not just a new medium, not just a new paradigm, but new worlds, a way to experience video games that, you know, for decades, people didn't even think was going to happen. Now we're talking about comfort. Now we're talking about getting rid of wires. Now, now we're making the incremental changes. We're learning how to make games for this medium, but it is the birth of a brand new medium. It's no wonder Facebook bought in because the attachment, the engagement that you have with VR is so much more profound than you have on a typical device that you are literally transported when you play a VR game. If the VR game, as we've all talked about many times, is done right. So that's why I say Oculus Rift. And of course, everything that follows has been an increment to that. That's why I didn't put Quest at the top, because yes, it's the best version of VR out there right now, but it didn't make the same impact that the original did. Yeah. When Oculus Rift came about, you know, oh my God, it was just such a massive asteroid hitting a planet. You know, everything about video games and interaction, the whole language around it, not just in video games, but everywhere else changed completely. But in terms of industry impact, I'd put it in reverse order. Yes, VR hasn't had an effect on the industry, but nowhere near as much. We still have a very conservative industry. We're still buying games on uh, on Switch, on PlayStation, on PC, on iOS now, and, and so on. Um, and then Switch, again, comes in the middle because it's done really, really, really well but it hasn't done as well as PS4. PS4, in terms of in industry impact, has revitalized Sony and put PlayStation at the top of the hill again. I'm picking the same three devices, but I'm going to reorder them. <laughs> uh, I think at number three is Oculus, for all of the reasons that you mentioned. Um, the reason I will put it at number three is, yes, it's revitalized VR, but I, and, and I believe in it, but I think the jury's still out on VR as a, as a, is it going to, is it actually going to hit the mass market uh, in the way that Facebook and PlayStation and Sony, I should say, and, and, every, and, uh, and Valve to a, to a, an extent wanted to, I don't know about that yet. Um, Oculus is getting there quicker than anybody else at the moment with products like the quest. Um, but it will be interesting to see in a few more years time, what the state of VR is before I would really think that it, it has reached its maximum. Um, I'm going to put the Nintendo Switch at number two. Uh, it's my personal favorite video game console ever. And I'll get to why it's at number two when I talk about what's at number one. It's probably pretty obvious at this point. But the, the Nintendo Switch is the console that I always wanted, right? Like it is the home console slash portable console. Same games everywhere. Uh, and it's Nintendo. And it's Nintendo back at their best. And from a, an impact on the industry as well, like the way in which they turned around the company and the way in which they, from the beginning, they have outsold Microsoft and Sony consistently is incredible. And I am fascinated to see if we are going to get revisions to all three consoles in 2020. Because that will be incredibly telling, right? We know we're getting a PlayStation and we know we're getting an Xbox. 
it is very possible that Nintendo will bring out a new version, like a, a significant revision to the Switch. It's not a foregone conclusion, but it's possible. And I am really keen to see what happens then, right? Like, who wins then? Uh, that's going to be really kind of... Uh, that'd be something to keep an eye on. But I'm going to put the PlayStation 4 at number one because I think the PlayStation 4 changed the gaming industry at a time that the gaming industry needed to be changed. You know, Microsoft were in the lead, right? We knew that for all of the reasons that Shahid mentioned on this episode and episodes we've done in the past. And it it was a foregone conclusion that the follow-up to the 360 would be amazing and would be so happy. Microsoft ruined it. (laughs) They ruined their lead by leaning into things that were not video games on their video game console. And trying to pull the rug out from video game players in a bunch of ways which would increase the the reliance on servers and the internet and just going further and further into ways that would potentially make video gaming much more complicated for the end user and also focusing on like entertainment as well as games, right? Sony took this opportunity to change and adapt and push forward with their marketing, which propelled the PlayStation 4 because it was focused around gaming for players, right? And and I think that PlayStation, Sony being able to position the PlayStation 4 where it is, forced Microsoft to change their hand and have continued to force them over this entire console generation to the point where Microsoft are now the for the gamer console, right? Mm. In their marketing. And they're now like, I mean, it is very possible that, that Microsoft will take over again because they are going so hard on this with stuff like Game Pass. Mm. that all you need is a little wavering from Sony and things are going to change a lot in 2020 and 2021. So like it's, I'm, I'm really keen to see where it goes from here. But so yeah, I'm going to put the PlayStation in as my number Mm. one. Mm. Well, two of my uh, three picks are the same, but again, the order is different. So number three for me of my device of the decade, I'm going to say the Nintendo 3DS. Um, the 3DS is that this decade? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Wow. Uh, Yeah, the Nintendo 3DS for me is it was sort of my bridge back to gaming. Uh, I think we we talked about this before, but I had stopped basically playing video games altogether Mm -hmm. in my last two years, maybe last year of high school. Then I started working. Then I started Mac Stories. And so when the 3DS came out in 2011, it was for me a way to get back to gaming. But also, the 3DS was a way for me to keep playing when I got sick, uh, also in 2011 and throughout 2012. So the 3DS allowed me to, you know, there was no Nintendo Switch, and there was the Vita, but I think emotionally speaking, um, the 3DS holds a, a, you know, a warmer place in my heart in terms of the kind of games that allow, that it allowed me to play. And in mm-hmm. fact, some of them will be my games of the decade. Uh, number two, PS4. Uh, PS4 for me, more than the Xbox One. And I do own both. But it's not just that the, the PS4, I think, had a bigger impact on the, in, on the industry because I agree with Mike. Uh, from a personal level, I, I just uh, consider myself more of a PlayStation person. 
uh, like historically speaking, it just it's closer to me. It's closer to my taste, and it's closer, like the sort of the you know the general Sony ethos as a company. I think it speaks to me. Um, also, I'm a Sony audio nerd, so that also helps. Uh, I love I like Sony stuff. I love Sony stuff, and the PlayStation Four is for me like it represents the current generation of powerful consoles uh, more than the Xbox, and number one, of course, the Nintendo Switch because it's my uh, f- like I think it is. A at this point my favorite nintendo console uh ever and maybe like from a nostalgic point of view um i could say the gamecube is is like my favorite console ever but that's different from being the best i think yeah my favorite because i'm nostalgic and i have fond memories of playing with the gamecube but the switch is the best like the freedom that it grants me to play at home play you know in portable mode in tv mode it's just it's it's amazing it's perfect i I don't need to say anything more about the switch so the nintendo i hmm so this is interesting i guess we'll say though that the playstation 4 yeah yeah right the device of the decade higher higher than than i mean also it's been around for more of the decade yes Mm, right like you know the the nintendo switch could be the game system of the next decade right Right. like depending on how nintendo want to play it could be the runner-up of the decade yeah it definitely is like i i would say like it's 100 percent, but it's it's not been around for long enough the playstation is like if you look at the last 10 years it is like the dominant system, right? And mm-hmm. and has made the most impact in video gaming. All right. Let me take our second break and we'll talk about games of the decade, which I think is going to be a, I reckon of all of, well, I would be incredibly surprised if of all of the lists we're doing today, this isn't the most varied. It just has <laughs> to, by nature, be the yeah. most varied, but we'll see. Uh, I also want to thank Hello for their support of this show. Hello make insanely comfortable buckwheat pillows I love my Hello Pillow. If you've never heard of a buckwheat pillow before, it is incredibly different to the type of pillow that you'll be used to. It is not a fluffy pillow. It is filled with something called buckwheat holes, which are, I guess they, they kind of, the closest thing I can describe it to is kind of feeling like a beanbag, but it supports your head and neck in a way that other pillows just cannot do. Because when you press down, let you lay down on it, they kind of compress and they give you absolutely excellent support they also stay cool and dry because air can flow through so there's no more flipping to the cool side of the pillow because the pillow's always cool you can also add and remove the filling to exactly suit your needs so your pillow can be just the way that you want these types of pillows have been popular in japan for a very long time and it's very popular in my household i've been using a a hollow pillow for 18 months and I would never change it now. Like, I am so in on this type of pillow. It's exactly what I want. And, like, just every now and then, like, every few... It happens, like, every now... This actually happened to me just a couple of nights ago. I was just, like, trying to get to sleep and was just remarking to myself about how much I love my pillow. So, there you go. You can go check it out for yourself. Hollow is made in the USA with quality construction and materials. The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability. And the buckwheat is grown and milled in the US as well. 
if you are curious, you can sleep on one of these for 60 nights. And if it isn't right for you, you can send it back and get a refund. Go to hollowpillow.com slash remaster and you can get your own hollow buckwheat pillow. That's H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W. H-U-L-L-O is hollow. Hollowpillow.com slash remaster. If you buy more than one, they have a great discount of up to $20 off depending on the size that you opt for. They have fast free shipping of every order and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Give it a try. If you love it, you keep it. If you don't, you can just send it back. That is hollowpillow.com slash remaster. Our thanks to Hollow for their support of this show and Relay FM. I have four games that I want to talk about as my games of the decade. Uh huh. One of them is my favorite mobile game ever made. Mm, I, okay. <laughs> yeah. Threes. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no game for me that has persisted as a game that I am actively playing in threes. I still play threes, and I have played threes on an almost daily basis since it came out in 2014. Like, I play it more often than not during the week, like every day. Like, I absolutely love this game. It is a puzzle game. If you've ever played 2048, it's a ripoff of threes, so you understand the mechanic. You're just sliding around these tiles and making pairs, growing numbers. Uh, it's difficult to kind of explain, but you should probably know what it is. If By now, I would expect. Uh, I absolutely adore this game. Uh, I have not got enough good things to say about it. It's so mm-hmm. cute. It, they've it's still you know it works on all my devices and it's one of those games that was everywhere you know and i it is my if i want to kill just a couple of minutes and i'm on my phone i play it. i always play it when i'm on planes like i love this game i have you know mm-hmm. they have they have stats in the game um and but the stats don't cover the entire game's history because they brought the stats out uh, at a certain point and i also don't know if all of my statistics have carried over from from device to device but I have something like I'm actually the load is totaling up right now uh, over three thousand. Oh wait, three thousand eight hundred thirty-six total games played is what it says oh, right now. Jesus. Okay. But I know it's more than that. It's probably over five thousand because the stats weren't there the whole time. So I absolutely love threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my third, my number three game, Uncharted Four. Mm, it's on my list. It's my favorite action game. Of all time, easy. Uh, I I replayed some of this game uh, earlier this year. It is just a perfectly put together action game. Like the Uncharted series is the absolute like pinnacle of games as movies. You know this idea that like you will be playing something and it will be interspersed of a cutscene that you're not controlling but you're back in the action so quickly you kind of haven't noticed some of this stuff has been going on, right? So, like, it, it makes the whole experience feel like you are part in control, but but you can't be in control completely because they want to do all these fun and whiz-bang things to you, but you never really notice. Um, the sense of exploration and making your own path in this game is absolutely fantastic, and the story of Uncharted 4 is so, so good. So I absolutely love that game. Portal 2. Is my number two. Yeah. Specifically, Portal 2 co-op, 
which is the best cooperative gaming experience I've ever had. I've played it a few times with friends, uh, both online and locally. It is w- probably my favorite sequel of all time. Like to, to follow up Portal seemed like such an impossible task, but they did it by having not just another great entry to the story mode, but by building on it with a fantastic co-op. And Portal 2 co-op, the co-op mode is an original full game, right? So it's you not playing the main game. It's a secondary game, but it is at about as long, I think, as the original. And it adds a bunch of mechanics in uh, unique to it. And playing that game with somebody and communicating with them to try and help you get through all the puzzle levels is a very unique and fantastic experience to play in a video game. And you know what my number one is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you must know. Mm-hmm. Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, that, I said that it totally at the time. Me. Huh? That totally surprised me. <laughs> I said it at the time. Wow, really, Mike? Is that that <laughs> game? <laughs> and I stand by it now because it's not just my game of the decade. Breath of the Wild is my favorite video game ever made. Wow. It is perfect. With some asterisks. But for everything I care about, it is perfect. Are there things I want to see them do differently? Like, yes. Like, Would I like to see a little bit of a stronger story that I could follow? Yes. Would I like to see voice acting? Yes. Do either of those things detract from the way that you play this game? Absolutely not. Like, It is... I love open world games, and it is the most open world game I've ever played. I still see links and videos being shared now on Twitter yep. of mm-hmm. it's typically Japanese gamers, right? Because the UI is always in Japanese doing things in the game that I didn't even know was possible because they are finding fun ways to play with the mechanics of this world. I am so excited and terrified that they are doing a sequel to this game. Like I want more of it, which is why I'm excited, but it is so good. I just don't know how they could follow it up. But like, Every part of this game feels so incredibly considered. And it was such a surprise in just how good it was. And I played it probably more than I have played any single game, right? Any console game, like in hours, you know, over a hundred, probably 200 hours into this game. And it's never bored me. And if I went right now, picked it up and started playing, I would have just, I would lose hours to this game. Because that's how it always is. Even if it's now just one of my favorite things to do whenever I pick up Breath of the Wild, just get on the motorbike and just drive around. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this game. Like, I absolutely adore this game. Um, Nintendo just crushed it in every manner. So that is my four. Threes, Uncharted 4, Portal 2, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. What do you have, Federico? All right, so my list starts with, um, let's say, three uh, 3DS games that I sort of can group together, if you wish. Um, Mario Kart 7, Bravely Default, and Ocarina of Time 3DS, the remake. Um, so Mario Kart 7, uh, again, it's, it came out uh, toward the, I think, toward the beginning of the 3DS life cycle, maybe, but I played a lot of this game. It's great. I've always been, it, it was a great game. It was the, the, the you know, a main series game on the 3DS. I absolutely loved it. I played some of it online, even. Uh, it was really good. I, 
you know, I came from Mario Kart DS, which I played a lot back in the day, like in my first few years of high school. And seven was just, you know, even better. Uh, I love it. Th- that makes me think, like when you mentioning that, surely we're going to get a new Mario Kart in 2020. I hope so. We really should. You'd it's f- about time. you know, they kind of cheated <laughs> with, yeah, they did. with, with uh, Deluxe. But they should like, do a Nintendo card. And yeah, just, it's, like you know. a, it's like a system seller Mario Kart. Yeah. Like, they must be yeah. working on one. Yeah. Uh, Bravely Default, it was my, you know, uh, we talked about this on, on a previous iteration of this show, I believe on Analog, on, not Analog, that's a different <laughs> show. <laughs> you just, just uh, co-opt in shows now. I Is just, it digital, uh, virtual? Oh, virtual? virtual. I think we talked about it on Directional, that virtual. was the first one. Directional, virtual, yeah, remastered. No, but that's we talked linear. about it on virtual. Okay. Um, me and you. Years ago, uh, analog is another excellent show that Mike does. <laughs> you have FM, nothing by to the do way, with. <laughs> that I absolutely have nothing to do with. Uh, not because I was thinking about analog sticks. That that's my problem. Uh, so anyway, bravely default. Uh, an JRPG game for the Nintendo 3DS. I played uh, 70, 80 hours. I was obsessed with this game. Super, super good game. Kind of weird story that Square Enix actually did. Uh, a sequel called Bravely Second, but they just announced, I think at the Game Awards, Bravely Default 2. So as if like the kind of <laughs> just ignoring the fact that a second one actually came out because it wasn't really it wasn't really good. So they're doing a new Bravely Default. But yeah, I played a ton of this game, excellent job system, and it introduced a lot of modern JRPG mechanics that other JRPGs later even on consoles, uh, would implement. Like, um, you know, the balance with the random encounters and stuff and, like, the job system. It was very flexible, very modern. I love it. Um, Ocarina of Time uh, 3D for the 3DS, if only because for me it represents, like, this modern era of remasters and updating old games. Um, and, you know, I, I I never got to fully enjoy Ocarina of Time. I never played Ocarina of Time on the Nintendo 64. I played Ocarina of Time as a bonus disc of Zelda Wind Waker on the GameCube. So we're talking 2002 here. Uh, 2003, maybe. Uh, but I also had a friend who helped me with some of the Ocarina of Time dungeons because I wasn't really... I don't know, it was in the summer and I wasn't really feeling it. So I kind of rediscovered Ocarina of Time with the 3DS remake. I absolutely loved it. It was so good. Uh, For me, it represents, you know, this idea of like taking an old game and making you fall in love with it all over again. Super good. Now, console games. Um, So this will be number... So let's see. One, two, three, four... (laughs) Hold on, how many games do I have here? Seems like you uh, have a lot. You just picked three. Uh, well, I'll give you the top three. So let me just go through this, this other list. Uh, Mario Kart 8 for the Nintendo Wii U and later the Nintendo Switch uh, as a sort of a deluxe version. Um, we played a lot of Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U, my girlfriend and I. Uh, we mm-hmm. loved it, and we also kept playing it on the Nintendo Switch. Um, so it's a game that we played a lot with local multiplayer. I played with friends. I played online. I played on my own. I love Mario Kart 8. It's a super well-done game, both on the Wii U, uh, which we basically never mentioned in this episode. So it's, you know, the only Wii U mention w- will be from me. Uh, Mario Kart 8 and later Deluxe on the, on the Nintendo Switch. And before we enter top three territory, uh, Uncharted 4 for the PlayStation 4. 
basically everything that Michael said, um, super good action game. Uh, this idea that you're like in a, in a James Bond movie. Uh, I love the story. I love the mechanics. Super fun. Great graphics. I kind of would love to see Uncharted 5, even though the story sort of wrapped up very nicely at the end of the game. But, uh, you know, maybe we'll see. And I just love, you know, the lush environments and all that. Fun fact. So beautiful. I oh, my never God, played. So I never played the first three Uncharted games. You do not need to play the first three Uncharted exactly. games. Exactly. You miss That's out the on point. the nostalgia elements of the game, sure. but you can just let those go. It's not important. You can just let those go. It's a perfectly fine action game, and maybe you miss some references, but that's fine. Now, top three, and this will surprise you, I think. Number three, Bioshock Infinite, Xbox that... 360. Okay. Wow. This is a game that had a huge impact on me when I was playing it in 2013, maybe. And I feel like... So I'm not a person who typically likes these games. You know, Bioshock Infinite is basically a first-person shooter. But I think that balance of the story and the setting and at the time the graphics and just the general gameplay and, and, and feeling of the action... I was totally sold on it. And I still remember that game fondly and the the idea of like creating this utopian society and like the philosophical elements in the story. And and I also think that Bioshock Infinite should be remembered as one of the best games of the decade because of the like the the several gameplay techniques that were sort of pioneered in this game, like the idea of uh piecing together the background of the story by picking up audio recordings or letters throughout the game so instead of having to sit through multiple cutscenes the story would sort of come to you in a natural way by picking up these elements throughout the game i believe the bioshock infinite it was like one of the first games to really go deep on this idea um and i really loved it uh i played on my xbox 360 i was living back in viterbo back then i wasn't even living in rome so it's a yeah, it's one of the games that I remember, uh, you know, my, my favorite titles of the decade. Number two. Here we go. Uh, the Last of Us. Uh, the Last of Us uh, on PlayStation 4. I never played the original on PlayStation 3. Uh, for me, this came very close to being defined uh, the game of the decade, just from, an, from like an impact point of view. Uh, everything about this game is incredible. The story, the characters, the themes, the fact that you keep thinking about the story after it ends, the gameplay, how it makes you feel when you play, the sense of anxiety and fear that you feel when when you're running low on ammo and a clicker is running towards you, and also the satisfaction that you feel when you somehow manage to beat them and you walk outside and you see nature taking over these abandoned cities. Everything about this game is perfect, and I love the, the question, without spoilers, because maybe there's still somebody who hasn't finished the game. Uh, the question that he poses at the very end, I'm still thinking about to this day. And, and I think The Last of Us, especially in its remastered fashion, is an absolutely terrific game. Uh, and I'm so excited that, that they're going back, uh, that Naughty Dog is going back to this uh, universe and to the story and expanding on it and and you know modernizing it with Ellie and and you know seeing what happens later. Uh, it's yes, The Last of Us 
very, very close to game of the decade in terms of like all these elements that I mentioned. But of course, my game of the decade is Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's, <laughs> it, yes. Um, well, if only because it is to my, to, to, to my memory, I think this is the game that, well, okay, this is the game that I played the most in my adult life. I think I'm approaching 180 hours, just so basically running toward 200 hours of gameplay in Breath of the Wild. Uh, I still pick it up from time to time. It is my favorite open world game ever made. I spent so much time, and I enjoyed it, uh, finding all the shrines, finding all the you know the the, the best and secret like uh, uh, pieces of equipments like the armors and and the caps and and you know and the shields, and doing the master sword quest and doing the DLCs and the the sense of discovery and and peacefulness that this game brings to me is just. It's hard to describe, really. It's a world that I, that when you play it, you kind of want to live in. And even though, yes, it's not perfect, and yes, it could be improved, it is one of the very few games that I believe is consistent with its own universe. Like, you don't see the cracks in this game. You don't see, like, oh, yes, I'm running toward a wall. And mm-hmm. even though it looks you like... You run up you know, the wall. You can just, co- you can yes. just go... And it's very, it's, 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 it is, it's very own little universe that every time you play within it, you discover something new. And for that reason, considering the amount of time that I spent in this game and just how much I've loved it, it is my game of the decade for my console of the decade. And um, yeah, but again, The Last of Us and Bioshock Infinite, super close to my heart, but Breath of the Wild uh, takes the number one spot. To just drive home the Breath of the Wild point that you were making there. So like if you compare it to Uncharted, right? If you go to a wall in Uncharted that you that isn't as a designated climbing area, you like press the button to jump and climb and Nathan just does this like pitiful little jump and he waves his hands like <laughs> like he can't get up. Right? <laughs> and it's just like it you completely breaks it. So many video games. Yes. Right, like I'm, I'm having this exact thing happening in Jedi Fallen Order. Right, yeah, you like yeah. walk up to like ah, I, could, I can climb up anything <laughs> except this wall. Right, like, but in Zelda that doesn't happen, and it's one of the things that makes that game so special. You can climb everything, and that you know, and like you might, and one of the ways that it stops you from being able to go places it doesn't necessarily, or like can discourage you from going places it doesn't want you to go, is they make the walls really high. So your stamina won't run out. But if you decide that what you're going to do right now is continue increasing stamina, increasing stamina, you can get up there. Like in the way that Federico, one of the first things he did was run into the final castle in the game. Because you (laughs) can do it, right? And that's what makes that game so special. Like there is a path you should follow, but you don't have to follow that path. Make your own path. And that's what makes Breath of the Wild the best game ever made. Anyway, Shahid, what is your uh, game of the decade list? (laughs) Right, well, I have two lists. I have a mobile list, and Mm. I have a non-mobile list. Okay. And I have six of each, and I'm going to fly through them. The criteria was not what I've enjoyed playing the most per se, or spent the most time playing with, but which games I had the most emotional connection with. Great. 
which games had the greatest emotional impact. So starting with the mobile list, and this includes mobile uh, portables as well. Number six is Fruit Ninja. Uh, mm. Fruit Ninja, I played so much that eventually it drove one of my friends to hack the game so he could get a better score than me. <laughs> Such a great game. <laughs> and, Classic. And my wife and I would compete as well. I'd get one score, she'd better my score, I'd get another, and she'd better it. So mm -hmm. because of that, because of that emotional connection between my family and my friends, Fruit Ninja's number six. Number five, Crossy Road. I saw Crossy Road before oh, yeah. it came out. Matt sent me a build. I got in touch with him immediately and said, we have to have this on PS4, name your price. Um, and he rightly said, no, this is coming out on mobile. I see this is a free-to-play game, and I think it will do really well. Boy, was he <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> it did all right. And I, I told him, you know what, you're right. And uh, it went on to become one of the greatest phenomena of all time. Launched a publisher. Not, you know what I mean? Like, it's wild. Well, th this is a guy who'd previously hit number one on the App Store before that, four, maybe five times. So he knows what he's doing. He's an old mm -hmm. school guy, wonderful, down to earth guy, deserves all his success. Number three on my mobile list, Velocity 2X on the Vita. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This achieved a 90% Metacritic and proved that uh, when I was at PlayStation, if we went to the right independent developers, we could get the right sort of game, irrespective of where they came from. It was a wonderful way to show the world that independent developers had arrived and could make this device a success. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the very few games on my list that I played incessantly. Actually, no, I played quite a few incessantly. Number two on my mobile list is Super Crate Box. And Super Crate Box is number <gasps> two, not just because I scored 309 on the Vita. What a game. Um, yeah. But because the call in which I persuaded Rami to bring Super Crate Box to PlayStation <laughs> Mobile for Vita is what got strategic content and that whole indie thing, the, um, I guess, the seal of approval that it needed. We needed one of the shining lights to come across to make the whole program appealing to everyone else. And I loved the game. I really believed in it. I thought I genuinely believed Vita would be the best device for it. I think I was right. And that was the beginning. Once we got Vlambeer, it was much easier to get everybody else. Number one on my mobile list is Hotline Miami. Ooh. Yeah. And there are many reasons for it. But the biggest reason was I knew that the whole independent development engagement thing was going to work when Adam Boys, who was at that time... Uh, VP of TPR in uh, Sony Computer Entertainment America, held aloft his Vita to a crowd of developers at a party he was throwing at a GDC early on in the whole program and showed everyone just how, how good it was on the Vita and how much he loved it on the Vita. And everyone was just going nuts and absolutely loved it. And that was when I knew that we had something special. I mean, and I knew earlier, but that for me, was the moment that validated it when Adam was lifting the device up and showing everyone. And, and so it proved. It turned out to be a, a game that actually made a fair bit of money for the developer, a fair bit of money for the publisher, and a fair bit of money for PlayStation as well. So the thing was working, you know? Mm -hmm. um, now, let's move on to Game of the Decade non-mobile. And number six on that list is, you are going to be really surprised... Zelda Breath of the Wild. As long as it made the hmm. list, that was all it I wanted. It made the list. 
But I didn't play it to begin with because I was intimidated by how everybody else was saying it was the greatest game of all time, especially you guys. And I hadn't really got into it at that point. You know, you, you get a game and then you just don't play it enough. And you think, oh, I'm too behind now. But I didn't tell you this. I picked it up again, but I started playing it with my son. And then it all clicked. And it, we played it for hours and hours and hours, swapping controllers, swapping controllers, trying different things, exploring different areas, doing different things. And it was magical. It's an absolutely magical world. And we will go back to it because that's what, that seems to be the cycle. You know, we, we, play, we play a game, uh, we dig out another old game, go back, play that for a few days, you know, and we keep doing that. And it's wonderful because the whole, the whole world has a coherent magic about it that I've not felt in any other video game. And, and the reason it's made an emotional impact on me is not because I've experienced it, but because I shared that experience with my son. I helped introduce him to the idea that video games can be magical and not just a box of rules, right? Number five, Beat Saber. Why? Because I play Beat Saber uh, in the same way I used to play Fruit Ninja with my wife, trying to increase scores. Same thing with Beat Saber, except my wife absolutely kicks my backside mm -hmm. on Beat Saber and has caused me to, well, play a bit less than I used to because I'm just not as good at good as it as she is <laughs> yeah yeah sad news um number three on my list is it number three known hold on a minute i can't count guys what you i've got four i've right. got five in my list but okay. number th so number three so okay so zelda was number five uh beat saber number four number three on my list is mario kart on the switch yep Mm -hmm. Again, family game. You just cannot tire of Mario Kart. The thing I say about Mario Kart um, to uh, people who are bored of hearing me say it is Mario Kart is life. Okay, sometimes you get a blue shell. And, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes you are eight on a downhill on ice. Someone else fires a blue shell and takes out half of the six, seven, eight people in front of you. Three or four of them are gone. The others are spinning out. Now you are power sliding. You're not saying anything. And on the line, you pip someone else. That's life. If ever there was a, a metaphor for life, it is Mario Kart. You know, because life isn't fair. And neither is Mario Kart. And that's why we keep going back to it. Mm -hmm. And that's why we hate it and love it in equal measure. Number two on my list is Super Mario Odyssey. Ooh, for me, Mario, one of the... Yeah. For me, one of the greatest video games of all time, and even more special. The character that should have retired, am I right? The character that should have retired. <laughs> you know, honestly, Nintendo, what were you thinking? Making another it. Mario game. How dare Making, making, <laughs> making only one. <laughs> one of the greatest video games of all time. Absolutely stupendous achievement. The game that keeps on giving. Even now, we... We bring it out, my son and I, and we still play it. And I, I love this game, and I love Nintendo for what it has given my son. The richness of experience, the depth, the repeatable play, the puzzles, the, the problems, the logic solving, the sense of achievement, the sense of progression, the sense of accumulation, the fairness, the beauty, the joy, the absolute perfection of the control that first started its journey 
back in the 8-bit days, when they practically invented the modern language of platforming. And here it is at its logical conclusion, the control system so detailed and yet so accessible that it beggars belief that a single company could have come up with this and continued to prove it over time. Now, number what one. What is your game of the decade, Shahid? My game of the decade is No Man's Sky. Oh. Ah, uh, yes. And, and you will know why, and listeners will probably know why, but when I was at Strategic Content, I had one goal. My goal was help one independent developer achieve the same level of exposure as a AAA game. Mm -hmm. If we do that, we prove it. And because of all of the emotional lows and highs experienced through signing that game, helping get that game developed, helping get the incredible marketing machine of PlayStation behind it, doing the physical deal, and then experiencing the despairing lows of the launch opening, and then the remarkable soul-affirming recovery that since took place, to see it now come out with the VR version over mm. a span of five years. Because how many five-year games are there in this list? Not very many. Here's a game mm. where... This is, well, this is seven years, right? So they started it a long, long time ago. And Sean's vision, which he shared with me well before it was um, released, was that this would be developed for at least five years after release. And he stayed true to that. And what a story it has been. And what a remarkable success story as well. Not just uh, financially, but emotionally, commercially, critically, in every sense, it has been the most amazing developer story for me of the decade. And because I played a tiny, tiny little part in this game, I feel incredibly emotionally attached to it and incredibly proud of what they've achieved. And that's why No Man's Sky is my game of the decade. It is a great choice, especially for you, right? Like, it is like the perfect choice. Mm -hmm. But we're going to say the game of the decade is The Legend of Zelda, right? Mm. Of course. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to double check that we're all in agreement here. <laughs> Happy New Year, Remaster listeners. <laughs>